G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. G'day legends and welcome back to the show and speaking of legends, this episode is actually me being interviewed on a podcast that's called Everyday Legends. How bloody good is that name by the way? (laughs) I can't believe that I didn't name this podcast the Everyday Legends podcast. So the host of the show that's interviewing me is a good friend of mine and someone who I've actually had on this podcast a few years ago and that's Mike Campbell. Mike is a man coach. He's an author, very well respected in the coaching industry, and of course, he is an everyday legend. So make sure you check out his other episodes of the show and uh, subscribe if you're resonating with him once you've been exposed to it, if you don't already listen to it, once you've been exposed to it through this one now. In this episode, I speak about very different topics to what I did on the recent one that I shared with you guys when Steph Lowe interviewed me on her show. So this one is very different and I thought for that reason that it would be great for you guys to hear this one too. Before we tune in, can I just please ask one little favor. If you haven't rated and reviewed this show and you actually find value from it, I'd be extremely grateful if you paused and just took 60 seconds right now and gave it a rating and review. It Honestly, it means a lot and it allows us to, to reach many more listeners and also many great inspiring guests into the future. And of course, aligns with my personal mission and purposes around creating a greater impact. So, I'll be super, super grateful for that. Okay, here I am being interviewed by the legend himself, Mike Campbell. Robbo, welcome to the Everyday Legends podcast, brother. Great to have you here. Mate, I am so grateful to be here connecting with you and also on a podcast that is called Everyday Legends. One of my favorite words right? is legend. I know. Everyone <laughs> I was like, it's perfect. Is a legend. <laughs> it's perfect with you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. And you're, yeah, so for, for those listening, I know Robbo and you don't need to know him for too long to know that um, everyone's a legend and, and so is he and it's a, use, a word that he uses and I love it. And, and for me, clearly... I value it because I bring it to the name of my bloody podcast. Um, so let's then introduce you, Robbo, to, to the people listening. Some people who listen to this podcast might know you already. And, you know, beyond perhaps going just to your kind of quintessential intro, I'm going to throw a question at you and you can take it wherever you like, of course. And that question is this, who the hell is Robbo? I'm an optimistic lover of life and I'm addicted to gratitude. I'm a proud father of two, a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and uh, a proud husband who's madly in love with his wife. And my top core values are my health, so my physical, mental, and emotional health, uh, and my relationships, quality time and quality relationships with my family, friends, and community. Uh, growth and impact are huge values of mine. Travel and adventure are huge values of mine. Hence why I'm coming to you from 
1977 model uh, camper van for those watching the video. I've just got the it. curtain to show Mike the, the steering wheel behind the curtain. Mate, I'm I'm a country boy from outback New South Wales in, in Australia and it's a town of five and a half thousand people. I grew up there. I finished high school there, left when I was 17 and uh, went to the Australian Institute of Sport and was a sprinter there for a few years and uh, and then started my career and, and worked in high performance sport with Paralympic athletes predominantly, Olympic and Paralympic athletes and in, in other high performance sporting teams to, mm. for, for many, many years. So the question around who am I is, you know, I was only pondering this just recently, not about who am I, but a lot of the work that I do is around habits and, mm. you know, setting up our life for success. And when I say success, success for me is living in alignment with my values. And it doesn't come without the challenges, especially with mm. two toddlers, as you would know <laughs> with a toddler, it comes with the challenges. So it's how do we yeah. navigate the challenges? How do we navigate the adversities that are absolutely fucking guaranteed to hit us? Mm. Uh, how do we navigate those the best? And someone said to me, oh, it must, you know, you do your cold showers every day. You do your breath work almost every day. You've always been, you were an athlete when you were younger. You always do all your exercise. Mm. You know, that, that must be why life is really good for you. And I thought about it. And as I get more, a little bit more wisdom under my belt, I'm only 36 years young. So, but I, I, I seep so much wisdom from older blokes, like older people. Sorry. I've got a lot of mentors, a lot mm. of female mentors who are just have transformed my life and seep wisdom from older people. And the more that I seep and understand things from a bit of a spiritual perspective, mm. I kind of realize that it's not actually all those small things that I've done and the doing aspect that has allowed me to to live more in alignment it's it's mm. this deeper sense of connection to um to self and this this way of being and navigating life from that that deeper kind of perspective and it's only just kind of hit me recently because i've said to people i think i was always an optimistic lover of life and addicted to gratitude even before i knew what optimism and gratitude was <laughs> i've just been that way yes <laughs> so yeah that's uh a bit of a roundabout kind of way to, to throw out there who I am. And there's obviously a lot of uh, missing pieces in there, but that's, that's who I feel like I am. Yeah. I appreciate that. And also one of the things that I'm hearing in there beyond your loving of life and, and optimism and gratitude is, as you said, okay, it's not necessarily all those things that I've done, although they are part of the puzzle. Of course they are, right? They, they can't not be, but it's not necessarily those things that you do. It's actually who you are. It's who you choose to be. And as you said, uh, I don't necessarily think that I made a choice at some point in my life. I've just kind of been that way for a long time. But I think that speaks to something very powerful. Who we choose to be, who we are, is so paramount to then what we do. We often have this, this thing the other way around, right? I need to do the things and then I can be. And we kind of end up chasing something. Have you seen that in the work that you do? Absolutely. And I've been guilty of it because I worked, I was an athlete and I mm. was worked in high performance sport as a performance therapist and a coach and traveled the world with some of the world's best athletes. And it was all about the doing mm. high performance sport. And I was addicted to human performance. Mm. It's all about the doing do the gym, do the the hard work, do the the track work, do like just the doing, doing, doing. The mm. being piece was uh, less of a piece of the puzzle that you learn about in high performance sport. Mm. So when I learned about the be, do, have model, it was kind of a bit of a shift in my mind and thought, hang on, right, okay, that makes sense. And then you start to look at 
because I was addicted to human performance and now I'm addicted to human behavior because I also mm-hmm. realized that that leads to human performance. And when, mm-hmm. when I talk about performance for people, I don't work with so many elite athletes anymore. I work with some, but uh, when I talk about performance, I'm talking about your life is your performance. And when you mm-hmm. look at it that way, you will respect some areas that you need to look at the 1% improvements and you will respect different areas of your life in different ways when you look at it as your performance, not with pressure Mm. that you have to perfect it, but just in that way of, no, actually, you've got to actually pay a bit of respect to your mental health and your physical health and, you know, your relationships and all of these pockets. Mm. So back to the be, do, have, uh, when I realized that and I started to look at some of the athletes that I was truly inspired by and some of the best in the world that lead with integrity, not just with mm. their skill sets, but also with their mindsets, with their, uh, their, their integrity, I realized, okay, they actually get this. Mm. It does matter who they are. Mm. It's their being mm. and their presence and their being that actually makes them great leaders. Yeah. And so I realized that I just wasn't exposed to that. So mm. in, in order to, uh, sorry, in, in answer to your question, yes, I've been exposed to that. Yeah. And yes, I've been guilty of that. And I'm constantly exposed to that with, I do a lot of work with men like yourself and I'm constantly mm. exposed to that where it's the doing, doing, doing. And they, mm. they want to know all of these things that they have to change or the doing pieces they need to change. And I get it because I was there and I get it because I still fall into that. And, mm. and, and obviously we still do need to do different things, but yeah. let, looking at mm. who are you? What and you know coming down to really understanding your core values, um, creating mission. You know, men on a mission are not mediocre. So mm. when we when we have a mission and this internal drive, it really lights us up. And I say men because I work mostly with men, and I'm a man. But women are definitely, um, you know, when it they operate the same way in that way. So. I feel like the the be do have model was a big shift for me, and it's a great thing to sort of come back to 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 help people understand the being first, then the doing, and then the have is kind of the result that comes from that. Yeah. So can you can you kind of explore that a little bit more for us? The be do have. Yeah. From my perspective, my understanding, uh, my thirty six years young laps around this this planet, being if we skip the being and we go to the doing, we are generally probably doing it from a couple of different aspects, either the insignificant syndrome where Mm -hmm. we feel insignificant and we want approval from other people. So we do all of these things to try and get the approval. Mm. Uh, And so what that means is we don't actually know who we need to be. And so we take off a hat to be a father and put on a different hat to be in our work and put on a different hat to be in our circle Mm. of friends. And we put on a different hat when we mingle with people that we've never met before. And we don't really know how to show up and it it causes confusion and conflict Mm. uh, internally and also externally. Yeah, it's exhausting, right? Super exhausting. Super exhausting. I think back to a stage in my early and mid-20s when I was doing that. And I think, holy shit, no wonder I was, and you know, a lot of party days and things like that, but how did I actually do it? Because I now remember thinking, oh, hang on, who do they think I am? How do I, how am I usually yeah. around these people? How am I usually around those people? And that's when I tell that story to a lot of the guys I work with, they, they, they're like, oh, hang on, that's me now. Like that's yeah. me at 45. Yeah. Like, Isn't that just normal? That's just what you do, Isn't right? That just normal. Yeah. It's like, well, that's probably and, exactly it. Yeah. That's what you're doing. This is, this is the things that I do here. Exactly right. And then without judgment, I always say to people, 
I have zero judgment of what you do. I, I'm just here to bring out the best of you. So I'm going to probe you mm. with a lot of questions. We're going to dig deep with zero judgment. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the, the mistakes you've made, the things you've done. Mm. All I care about is helping you be the best version of yourself. And by that be the best version, I mean like showing up consistently in alignment with the life that you truly desire and deserve and doing it for mm. you. So the being aspect is, like I said, for me, it's that understanding of, of who you truly are and what you truly resonate with because values are highly important and they're kind of this guiding principle and these guiding lights mm. and you get to choose what your values are and you get to choose what your beliefs are. Mm. You get to choose what your purposes are. You know, purpose mm. is a pretty misunderstood kind of concept. And one mm. thing I learned years ago was you actually have multiple purposes in different parts of your life. And you actually get to choose what they are. And mm. it's the same with our mission. We get to choose our missions. And until we make those choices of un, like clearly identifying our values, choosing our missions, choosing our purposes, choosing our beliefs, and choosing to shift and, and do the work, and then choosing to design our lives to live in alignment with them, until we make those choices, we can't actually be our true selves from that mm. deep deeper perspective and we get caught up in all the doing and we don't take the time to explore all of those aspects of really understanding who am i at that yeah. for that being perspective and so the be do have you can do a lot of shit and have good results but you will have the internal conflict you will experience what i mm. term now midlife mediocrity mm. and by midlife they technically midlife is between 35 and 50 but of, of course you're going to get it from earlier and it's going to go mm. later. I'm not talking about midlife crisis. I'm talking about the midlife mediocrity where the doing and you've got results and you might think, you know, I've got a beautiful, uh, I've got a, I've got a wife. I've got, I've got a beautiful life. I've got some toys. I've got, maybe I've got children. Maybe I don't mm. uh, travel a bit, uh, but I work a lot and I'm doing a lot. And, but it, there's just something missing. I just thought it would be different to this mm. and I can't really put my finger on it. I'm not depressed, but I'm certainly not where I thought I would be. I'm certainly not loving life as much as I thought. I'm certainly not mm. getting to enjoy my family time or the time with my toys as much as I thought I would be. There's just something missing. It's this midlife mediocrity that everyone will experience at some level, but especially if we don't explore who we are and who mm. we need to be and that mm. being perspective and then navigate life from that perspective and, and still do what you're doing if you love it, if you truly love it and that's what you're destined for. But I always say to people, are you living the life uh, that you truly desire and deserve? And it doesn't mean- Yeah, and there's an intentionality there, right? Not That's that intentionality yeah. coming into the doing. Otherwise, it's this you know, list of things that you just read it off. It's kind of like, if I do this, I will be happy. I will be successful. But actually, that's a, you know, if, then. And it always kind of sets mm. us up for failure versus the intentionality of like who I want to be. And then I actually attack the things that I need to do. Of course, we can't not do anything. It's certainly not- the response, but also a challenge for a lot of guys, right? So what do I just do the complete opposite? No, you're not going to go and be a monk and sit in an ashram, although you could maybe, but there's an, that intentionality, right? To, to what drives you, as you said, your values, what lights you up because you have a sense of purpose. And, and really, depending on, you know, maybe the aspect of your life that has an element of like immense drive in there. Like there's a fucking mission there. Mm. And that will automatically who you are being in that kind of creates the path for what you want to do, right? There's that real intentionality to who you're being and therefore what you're going to do, which kind of comes next, hence the, the be do, right? So then where does that take us to the have? You said if I just do, you might have success, but 
is going to be this conflict, this gap. So then when we go the other way, what does that look like? Uh, reframe that. What do you mean? Go the other way? If-, if we come and start with the B and then the do, can you talk us into, okay, what what, what can we have then? If we, if we are following the B, do we have? Oh, the have part. So often we, we and as blokes, we, we push the have we think is the results we think it's making the money we think it's the 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 title we think it's the um the the business success we think it's yeah the title of of our job we think it's the mm-hmm. the uh, the toys that we can show we we think it's all of that and i came when i look back to my insignificant times it was either i was an athlete and getting results or i was um coaching athletes that were world champions and getting results or I was a therapist in, uh, you know, working with the the Wallabies or some rugby teams or some AFL teams, and getting to tell people that's what I was doing. Like that's who mm. I am. That was my that was my identity of what yeah. I was doing and what I was getting. So it, it felt good and it it was really cool kind of stuff. But the having aspect that comes with this model is then, I mean, a lot of people want to be uh, want to have happiness. Mm. They want to have success they want to have contentment and so they think being and then uh, sorry doing and then getting those results will give them those aspects Mm. but the reverse is what's something you can do that makes you feel happy how do you be happy before you go and do all of your work stuff to try and have that happiness or have that approval or have that contentment or Mm. have that success so surface level it might not look so much differently but internally, it will be completely differently. Mm. Where you know that you're showing up and you're getting what you do have is it's an energy. And you know, mm. a lot of guys that I've worked with in the past, they they hadn't experienced this level of. I just thought it was about being healthy years ago because I was into health and well-being, mm. and thought it was you know if you just eat healthy and exercise, you'll get these feelings that I'm buzzing on. That's what optimism and gratitude is. But no, no, that's just part of the puzzle. <laughs> it's when things are in alignment and you're doing things for that truly light you up. And then you're also doing things for other people in terms of mm. whether it's charity or kindness. You know, there's a lot of studies around kindness these days uh, and and how that transforms your your hormones and your, mm. your internal state. So this having that I'm talking about is this energy that you can resonate at this higher energy and therefore Mm. you can put more back into your doing and you know when you've got the right energy if you can also energize others so if you're in and if you think about it mike when you get around people and you engage with a lot of people uh, either over zoom like this or in person you know when you're around a person that's that's got it dialed in because you rise to their energy. You, the, mm. the room or the, the environment or the, the zoom chat, the, the energy is infectious. And mm. so people listening, you'll know it when you're, you're in those states where you feel this energy, but also people rise to your energy and you're able to, to connect and have proper conversations as opposed to just the, the, the weather or um, something mundane. Mm. Yeah, and I love this. You know, the the invitation as well to explore, in a sense, like what conditions have I have I put on the things that I actually want to have? You know, like I want to have happiness. Well, that will come when I do X, Y, Z, and and that usually leads to you know chasing a rainbow, right? Like you're never going to get to that place. Versus, like, who I'm actually choosing and how am I choosing to be? When you're sharing this, Robo, I'm reminded of an example. You know, in my coaching program, one of the things that we explore it very simply, but in different aspects. But 
is this idea of safety, right? And we talk about that stuff a lot in the world these days. You know, we need to feel safe and men need to feel safe and all that kind of stuff. But what does it really mean? It's like, I need to feel safe that I can show up and be seen and do the work that I need to do. And, you know, it won't be used against me and I won't be attacked and seen as weak and judged and all these kind of things that we might fear. And so later on in the program, I talked to some guys about this, this, this idea of being a place of welcome for others. You know, and, and I th- so think back to when you entered into this environment, one of the things that's very paramount in what we do is create a sense of safety, confidentiality of non-judgment, these things that you're talking about as well. And I say, some of those are things that we do, conversations we have and so on, but I want you to reflect on more so, it's not so much the things we do that are secondary, it's, it's how I am and who I choose to be and the other men, who we choose to be that actually creates that sense of safety in you. Right. And of course, there's different ways. There's the Zoom calls and all those things. Right. And so that those are the things that then dictate, okay, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing, put this thing in place. Right. And so that sense of safety is like, oh, it's felt exactly what you're talking about there. Right. Uh, so I love that. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's read that one. Absolutely. And what I hear from you there too is, in that safe, uh, who we need to be in an environment like that. So the work that I do with people um, having studied rites of passage and understanding mm. these rites of passage that we've missed out on in our lives without mm. even knowing it until you mm. understand what a rite of passage is and learning it from Dr. Anna Rubenstein, you know, one of the, the world's best rites of, of, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, one of the world's best rites of passage um, leaders and, and studied mm. it for many, many years and runs these amazing programs up in the wilderness, not far from where you are on the Goldie. Uh, behind Byron Bay. And one of the things learning about that is that these boy behaviors that we carry with us into Mm. manhood and without a rite of passage being guided by and understanding what these, these boy behaviors are that we take. So a lot of the work understanding of who we need to be is, are we the boy or are we what I term as the genuine man? And Mm. what the, what does the genuine, who is the genuine man? Not what does the genuine man do, but who is the genuine man from Mm. an emotional agility and emotional intelligence capacity. And this, you know, all of these aspects of understanding Mm. and identifying and without judgment, um, choosing not to bring out the boy behaviors they'll still show up of course they will but Mm. in times where you know okay that is actually uh not a genuine man behavior and i can see now how that plays out and i can see now how that uh is impacting not just my life but others around me so that Mm. that safety piece that you provide is vital for for guys to be able to realize okay because i can tell you right now i was not in environments for a long time around people i absolutely love but i was not in environments where boy behaviors were unacceptable or Mm. it were more environments where the boy behaviors were what's wrong with you if you don't possess all of those and Mm. where is that that little Mm. boy within you that we want to see and and bring out and Mm. so that safety piece that you speak of I, i hadn't actually put a term of safety to it for a long time and mm. I think that's what happens with a lot of guys where mm. they don't actually know that they're looking for the safety until they experience those safe environments like what you provide. Yeah. And so, you know, it, I, I, man, I get that. And so what I'm also sensing in that is, you know, so we, we often don't know that that's the thing we need. What we do know on the other side is the fear, right? The hesitation, the pullback, yes. right? We kind of sit in that place. Like, what if I'm judged? What are people thinking of me? And so we, we don't even think that there's this other thing, which is like, what am I going towards versus what am I avoiding? Right. And I'm stuck in that, that place of fear. And that can be obviously to this point of, of 
rites of passage and, and where boy behaviors and psychologies come in, they can still operate. We're not taken through a process where some of those parts of us, you know, have to die, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? So that who we can be as a man can emerge. So can you talk us through, you know, through your own experience, potentially you, but also in the work that you've done and through this, this piece of, of rite of passage? So what do you see as some of these, you know, quote, boy behaviors, boy psychologies that might be playing out, that might be holding us back and kind of how do they have an impact? You know what I think the key ones are is uh, emotional, like it, it's it's around the the emotional agility. I would say. Yep. So, can you describe that? In in terms of boy behaviors, I, I've got a three year old boy. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now, if, if if he's not happy, he will scream and throw things and say nasty. I shouldn't say nasty words, but. Uh, you're dumb and, you know, everything's dumb and things like that. And by the way, this yeah. is all in Swedish. We we speak Swedish with the kids. So it's, <laughs> it, we're moving back to Australia in a couple of months. It'll, it'll transition back into English. But, um, you know, and, you, and we move through these stages where our emotions kind of, we're not in control of them. We're not mm. even aware of how they impact others. Mm. And what we see is with what I see with, with men that I work with that haven't done a lot of this work is those emotions might show up as anger and frustration. And what I see in myself is, uh, especially with this reflection of my three year old son, yeah. is damn it's triggered. It's still <laughs> damn you. And thank you, but damn yeah, exactly. you. <laughs> and thank you, but damn you. And thank you. So, uh, this reflection and over the years being exposed to and doing a lot of this, this internal work and uh, meditation and mindfulness and understanding emotional intelligence and emotional agility and this, this ability to understand, you know, every emotion has a purpose and I'm not saying don't be angry. You can never be frustrated. Uh, don't be sad or guilty mm. or resentful or anything like that, but understanding the impact that they have on us if we mm. stay in those so we can experience them, but to operate from those states is very differently. Mm. So the, uh, I was a very angry young boy, uh, mm-hmm. even if my mum says, no, you weren't. And I, no, I know I was like, don't, don't try, <laughs> don't try yeah. and soften this. I know I was Thank a Thank you, mum. But. <laughs> and, and I see this in my son and it triggers me. And just recently, so it, this is kind of a different way to tell a story of the, what I, in answering to your question, but mm. it was only a few months ago where I was experiencing this anger a lot. And I haven't experienced anger like that since I was a kid. And that Mm. anger was fueled from my brother mostly. We're best friends now, but he was two years older and he used to pick on me a lot. And I was an angry boy and chase him and try and fight him, but he'd always beat me up because he was bigger and stronger. But anyway, I was an angry young fella. And the this anger started coming out and I was so disappointed in myself. This is recently coming out and the recently, only a few months ago. Yeah. And I could not control it. And and not to the point of I didn't do anything abusive, but just this anger fueled up inside mm. me and I would mm. yell. And I, I'm not saying yelling like there's discipline and everything like that. But it's just this fuel of anger and this mm. aggression coming out against my beautiful three-year-old son. Like he was just triggering me in ways that I'd never been triggered before. And it scared me because mm. I thought, where will this go if I don't do something about it? Mm. With all the work that I do and all the knowledge that I have, and I was trying to do my own inner child work on myself. So I was going back and replaying it and doing meditations around it and everything. It just wasn't working. I was still being triggered. Mind you, our, our daughter, 
wasn't sleeping much. So I was very sleep deprived. And so I know that sleep <laughs> yeah, low on capacity as well. Not helping. <laughs> yeah, very low on capacity. And which is, you know, by the, the way, of all it, this, an easy flippant remark, but also a very important piece of the puzzle. Massively. Yeah. yeah. Which triggered more of my disappointment because a part of my coaching around my health coaching is sleep coaching as well. Mm. And so here I was not getting much sleep. And how can I tell people about the importance of sleep if I'm not getting much sleep? And it just, <laughs> just fueled this monkey mind that, can, yeah. that is uncontrollable when we're in a sleep deprived state. Mm. And mm. Uh, yeah, feeds we, itself. We moved to Spain for three months. So we're based in Sweden at the moment. And we moved to Spain for three months because the, the transition weather here is shit house. When before the snow <laughs> falls, it's it's cold and wet and windy and there's not much you can do. So we followed the sun. So we moved down there with two young toddlers into a small two-bedroom apartment. So moving to Spain for a few months and following the sun sounds amazing. But yeah. you talk to any parent with toddlers and they say, whoa, holy shit, with two young toddlers. And so we, we were you know packing all of this stuff onto us early. Mm. But, uh but anyway, so this this sparked a lot of um, disappointment in me and and a bit of fear. Like, what mm. if, if I don't get on top of this now? What will this look like in the future? Or what mm. will I do? Like, will I grab my son really hard one day and hurt him? I don't know. Like, I'm not an aggressive person in that way, but mm. this is anger that I haven't experienced as an adult. Mm. And I um, I spoke to our beautiful mutual friend Amber, and I just said, "Can you connect me with someone?" And it'd be amazing if it was a father. Uh, who can do this kind of work on me and because I know what it is. And I explained everything to me and she said, yep, I know the man and sent me his details and I connected with him and he's a kinesiologist and obviously based in Australia. I'm here in Sweden, but we did Zoom sessions and he did the work on me that I was trying to do on myself uh, around this inner child work and a bit of deep state repatterning and it worked beautifully. And he mm. gave me a couple of tools to go by that I had thought about, but thinking isn't enough. It's you know mm -hmm. taking this action and a lot of resonance yeah. coming back to who I need to be. And, mm. uh, and it was it was amazing. It allowed me to revisit it and it allowed me to navigate it better. Uh, and I still get angry with my son, but it's not this burning anger that there's no fear around it. There's not, it's not this, um, there's not the disappointment in it now. I feel the mm. anger and I'll bring discipline to my son um, through uh, the way that we discipline, which is obviously not abusive, not hitting, not, not grabbing, uh, the, the discipline in the way and I'll raise my voice, but I'm not this angry version of myself that I was for that short period of time. Yeah. And so yeah, there's the a different intention in the voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so th that's just kind of an example of some of these boy behaviors that can play out of in the ways of, it's not that boys are only angry. It's the mm. way that we navigate those emotions that I call disempowering emotions because Anger is disempowering if we act from and react from that. So mm -hmm. is resentment. So is fear. There's nothing mm. wrong with fear. It's this great warning signal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's it's disempowering to us if we operate from fear. Mm. So to navigate, to understand like the frustration, disappointment, sadness, guilt, all of these kind of uh, normal emotions that we're allowed to experience, if we react from those, that's kind of the young boy within us because mm. that's what we do as boys before we learn to or before our hormones settle. And I mm. say as boys, it's it's with all humans, mm. uh, but I'm just going to speak to boys and men because that's most of the work that I do and that's what I experience internally as mm. a man. And so 
just understanding and navigating this. Um, like I, I have an energy conditions quadrant that I educate my my community on. And on one side, we have these disempowering emotions that I was talking about. Mm. And I know that that triggers our stress hormones. So when we're in these disempowering states of either fear, resentment, anger, frustration, even sadness and disappointment, uh, there's, there's low and high energy aspects of that. Our stress hormones are through the roof and our helpful and healthy hormones are decreased. Mm. And we can only operate at a certain percentage of our capacities. There's lots of studies around hitting about 60% of our capacity. So, Mike, you can be doing your work and anyone listening can be doing their job and their work and in the relationship being angry and frustrated and disappointment, disappointed or highly anxious. You can do that, but you can only tap into a certain capacity of your skill set, of your mm. intuition, of your um, decision-making ability of mm. your emotional intelligence. You can literally own, you shunt neural pathways in your mind. You cannot operate at your best. And mm. so it's, we know that's disempowering. They're disempowering states. So then understanding what are the empowering states of uh, on the energetic side of, you know, optimism, gratitude, belief, uh, just even be like energetic. And we talk about that energy that raises mm. people. So all of these empowering emotions or energetic conditions that we want to spend more time in mm. and understanding how, when we're in those states, there's our stress hormones literally decrease. They do. Mm. They've done studies on this and our helpful and healthy hormones increase. So just by being, and I didn't know this before, but being addicted to optimism and gratitude, it was obviously <laughs> because it made me feel bloody good. And yeah. the studies are that when you're in states of gratitude and optimism, yeah. your helpful and healthy hormones are through the roof and your stress hormones are decreased. They've done this on tens of thousands of people now. They monitor their brainwaves, they take their hormones and they monitor their heart rate variability and they see that you're in more of an optimal state and it's healthier and your helpful and healthy hormones are skyrocketing and your stress mm. hormones are decreasing. So you're literally by being by being, not doing things that make you feel grateful or happy, by being in a state of gratitude, by being optimistic, mm. you're already setting yourself up for success. Yeah, powerful. So thank you. Thank you for that. So then I want to I want to explore some of that. Okay. So beautiful. You got some tools. I love it. Right. And thank you for, for sharing that. Cause hey, like hands up here, anger is one of those things that is an incredibly powerful emotion. Right. And and I think one of the things that I've seen in a lot of men who lack power within, who are insecure, is that we can weaponize our anger to try and take power or security from others. And that doesn't end well. And so there is an invitation in anger to like be fucking responsible, you know. And I love this idea of being a steward for your emotions. And so when it comes to these, you know, disempowering things, like how can I be a steward for this? Automatically that invites me to a reframe. Right into a more empowered place because anger will come. These other things will come. So then, okay, I'm sitting there going, all right, I want to work on, you know, like gratitude and these things that help me, you know, have more capacity, access more tools. But how do I deal with these other ones when they do come? Because just shutting them off, I mean, that's not going to take me to the other side potentially. And I could bypass, right. And try and gloss over things that I really need to address. So, so what do I do and, and how I go about actually exploring those things when they do come? Yeah. And there is no one answer to that, but what I would say is <laughs> exactly, I, I, I back what you say there where ignoring them or shutting them off or trying to run away from them is not the answer. And it's, mm. it's lean into them, feel it, know what it is, label it, experience it, 
and then decide if that's what you want to experience, if that's mm. who you want to be, if mm. that's what you desire to have as a part of your, you know, daily or weekly or whenever it's showing up. And that's what I did with that anger. I didn't run away mm. from it and say, like, I don't want to feel this. I leant into it and I, I said, I'm really feeling this. This is anger. It's in my head and it's in my chest. It's fucking mm. red. I know what this is and I hate it. I do not want this to be a part of me. And that's why, and and meditating on that and trying to do that work on me, and that was enough for me to know, yep, this is not who I am. This is not what I want to experience. And this is certainly not what I want to throw at my family or anyone mm. else around me. Mm. And so that's why I then lent in and did that work. So in terms of what do you do with it, this is the emotional agility piece. This mm. is that understanding. And I don't have those answers, but what I do know that works is that uh, there's these different methods of, um, so I, I still experience anger, but it doesn't show up as strong. Mm. So, I, and I'm not worried about it when I experience it because I know it's normal and it's, it's this great um, lesson within me. It's this great warning light, but mm. you know, there's different ways of expressing it as opposed yeah. to suppressing it. Yeah. I think that's such and, an important piece, right? How do I express it? Because I have to express it, so how do I do it? Healthy, safe, right? And then I can get the message that it's sending me. Absolutely. And I'll tell you one way that I do it. I'll share a couple of experiences. Um, Obviously, as blokes, you know, going for a run, going to kick the footy, uh, boxing bag, something like that, as long as you're not picturing someone else on that boxing bag, you know, letting it it out in that way is not bad. Like, it's a great thing to do. It's Mm. energy, right? Energy. Emotions are- yeah, getting the physical side of it out. And emotions are energy in motion. So if it's kind of stuck and we need to move it through, and that's why I do breath mm. work and I'm a breath work instructor and just getting, doing, diving deeper into that because that's another way. So thoughts are the language of our mind, emotions are the language of our body, and they often get stuck and suppressed and because we are trying to avoid them. And breath mm. work, what that does really well is mm. shifts it through. And so we've, we, through the breath work and the circular breathing and breath holds and doing these different techniques, we can, we can move through and um, express and shift through our emotions. So mm. breath work is another good way. One of the best ways for me, honestly, Mike, is my gorgeous wife and I, we have uh, uh, one of our rules, it's a guiding principle, is crystal clear communication. And we hold space for each other often. And so at different mm. times, when those, that anger was arising through those periods, I would just talk to her and tell her what I was feeling, how I, uh, you know, everything, just express it all. And even still now, we, I would just share that. And, you know, when I'll say to her at times, you know, when you reacted to Ollie today, to a three-year-old son and you were angry, I, I, I saw that and I witnessed that and I was able to transition my anger into something else. Mm. And, but I felt you and it comes without judgment. And that's what I was like times 100, you know, a few <laughs> months ago. And that's why yeah. I did some work on that. And, yeah. and, you know, just that kind of, that, that helps me to talk about when, when I've been frustrated or angry or disappointed or sad 
just talking about it and really like letting it flow. And I've got some close mates that I can do it with as well. So definitely just, just opening up and, and talking about it or I invest in coaches and mm. kinesiologists and programs. And if, if I don't have that safety that you talked about there before, mm. then that's not the right program or coach or kinesiologist for me. So that, that environment yeah. and that, that really helps for me to be able to express that. And then, so when it arises next time, having the understanding, even if you can't think about shit, what tool do I, do I meditate? Do I breathe? Do I, what do I do? You can just feel, experience it differently and navigate it mm. with a bit more of a deeper understanding. Yeah. And, and I think with a, almost, you know, with a sense of respect, like th- there's a thing here that I need to respect. You know, if there's a lot of energy here, like if I don't have the respect for that, and that's also inviting me into maturity as well. You know, we speak about this idea of boy psychology is boy behaviors and potentially what might be an extension of that is like boy capabilities. You, you just don't have certain capabilities at a certain point in development. And if we haven't gone past that point in development, then we're only going to be able to operate from that place. So where are you educating, upskilling, et cetera? What environments, what people are we learning from? And, um, and, and the other piece that you said in there was, you know, if that's not the coach, the program, and to one of your previous points, or the relationship perhaps, because that's also what I'm hearing in that, is that there is a safety for you both in your relationship to share all the shit. And if you feel like you can't, if you can't bring all of you and what your challenges are to your relationship, then that's something to explore, I would suggest, and look at. That doesn't mean dump all of your shit on your partner, but can you bring what is challenging you so that you don't have to feel like you're burdening yourself and carrying around everything, right? I'm guessing that's something that you might see in some of the men that you work with. Absolutely. And personally, previous relationships, I thought they were great and I de- there was definitely love there, but I wasn't expressing any of this. I wasn't sharing my mm-hmm. internal thoughts or, and experiences in this way with them. And my gorgeous wife and I, we do that and we've done like we understand the importance of that. And yes, in answer to your question, with a lot of men, especially that I work with, I see that, you know, some of the guys do my work and don't even tell their wife that they're doing mm. it because they're worried about judgment or don't one. know how to communicate it or things like that. And, yeah. um, or, you know, or even if they tell their wife, they're still not then doing it they all have massive breakthroughs in the program, but they might not be sharing it with their partner or mm. sharing their best selves with their partner because they still don't know how to take that frame into their life. Mm. Don't get me wrong. A lot of guys nail it. And I love the ripple effect and hearing about mm. their sex life improving and their uh, relationship improving in different ways. And they, um, you know, Benny and Jackie's get connected book. I buy it for all my clients now. And there's guys messaging me the other night saying, mate, my missus loves this book and we're getting connected and we're asking each other questions. He said, I've never done this shit before. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, and they're just simple questions to explore the depth of it. So yeah. yes, I, I do yeah. see it a lot. And, but I've also been guilty of being there. So I completely mm. get it when yeah. I see it. And it's just that once again, that safety and also the understanding. So how do you shift from that? When, when you shift as a man, Mm. how do you take that shift in and use new language and Mm. show up as this deeper connected version of yourself in a relationship where you haven't actually done that before? Like that's quite challenging. So I I get it. Mm. Uh, (laughs) it, It is challenging. So I'm just led to go straight into that. Okay. So how do we take it? 
How do we take? Let me say this: there's no one way. There's no yeah. uh, right or wrong. There's just leading with. So I'll say the word integrity, and mm. I'm sure you see this with a lot of the men that would start your work, and then they become. They understand how to because they understand who they are at a deeper level. They understand uh, how mm. to um, shed a few of those layers, mm. take off a bit of the armor, and mm. show up more more authentic, and. And then it's that guidance, it's that understanding of, so how do you do it is depends what stage you're at. Mm. But I, the thing that I love the most, and it's often the really uncomfortable for people is holding space mm. and that understanding of, babe, can you just hold a bit of space for me? I want to share something with you. And I, like, you don't need to, you don't need to have the answer here. You don't even need to respond. I just really mm. want to share. And I was a shit at this early on in my relationship with Marie where I'd say to her, babe, I'm just going to talk at you. Don't respond. That was before I knew about this holding space stuff, but I just knew I just needed, I just needed her to hear me. I didn't want her to solve the problems because she's a great solutionist. And I say this in a beautiful way. It's not (laughs) opinions, but she always had solutions for me. Yeah. And there was just times where I didn't want a solution. I didn't need a solution. I don't even know if there was a solution. Was that that, that something you'd always been attuned to? Like I need to voice some shit here and not have solutions, you know, like, or, or was that a point of growth for you to actually even be able to recognize that I need to vent and don't solve it for me. Huge point of growth. I had no idea that I needed or wanted that. And it was probably just through meeting Marie and just feeling her safety and her mm-hmm. openness that I hadn't had in other relationships or even not in loving relationships, but with female mentors, my coach when I was an athlete and she became my um, scholarship coach. So she was my mentor coach, mm-hmm. Ukrainian woman. Even I didn't know with her, like we communicated so well, but it, you know, and I've had other, many other female mentors mm. uh, and I didn't know that that was something that I needed or wanted mm. or would grow from. So it was just this, that's why it came out with that language yeah, at yeah. that time. Babe, I just need nice. to talk at, you know, like don't, I don't even need you to say anything. So it was definitely something that I learned yeah. just through doing. And it was actually, once again, I'll credit Amber. I said that to her one day and she said, just ask her to hold space for you. <laughs> you know, this is maybe a few years ago. Which you were, but in a different way, essentially, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So here's the language yeah. to use. Okay. So so what now have you learned about that exact term? Because, okay, great. What the fuck does that mean? Hold space. How, how does someone do that? What, what if my partner asked me to do that? Like, what do I do? Right. Back to that point. <laughs> What so, do you do? Uh, yeah, the, the doing is the being again. And you yeah. listen with the intent to understand, not with the intent to respond. And unpacking that, you don't really need to unpack it too much. But when you mm. so often we listen with the intent to respond because mm. we think, oh, I've got to have a solution here. I need to be supportive here. I need to have a response here. How can I respond? How can I respond as opposed to just listening? Mm. And this is, you know, with the rites of passage work that I did too, and just opening up and holding space and, and hearing other people and then not needing to respond. Mm. Yeah, I, the, the rule is you can't respond. So my mind doesn't go to what can I say to make them feel better? How can I respond to them? Uh, where, where am I at with my empathy here? It's just absolutely just hearing them. Mm. And so educating the guys around what it means to hold space. What does that actually mean? What are the rules? Yep. There's Mm. actually fucking rules in this holding space thing, because if we don't set those, just those couple of simple rules, Mm. we're going to get a response or we're going to respond or we're going to expect a response, but that's actually not what this holding space is about. There is times absolutely where we want to respond and have dialogue Mm. back Mm. and forth and still listening with the intent to understand. But Mm. sometimes 
actually every time that there is a, a container where you can hold space without a response, there is a big breakthrough internally, mm. even for the listener, because they will hear something in a way that they have never heard it before without mm. trying to put a response to it. Mm. Yeah. And so I suppose there's two parts to that invitation, uh, as you say, one to a guy who's potentially going, shit, maybe this is something I need to ask for in my relationship or in a relationship, you know, who knows a parent, a sibling could be a mate, right? Like, could you just hold some space while I empty some shit, you know, <laughs> from my head. Um, and then the, the other side, right. When the a partner or someone might come to them and might not have the, the language to, to voice hold space for me, please like here paint by numbers, but something like what you said, I just need to talk or even they just start talking. Like how do I first recognize but then, uh, okay, so just, just don't respond. And then, of course, there's potentially that, that uh, example maybe where that person is coming expecting you to respond because they haven't connected to, I just need to be heard right now. How do we start to navigate that, do you think? Yeah, well said. <clears throat> so I had a man in my program uh, last year and he said, I can't, there's a, I would love to use this with one of my employees and ran, ran a big business, but there's no way that I could ask him to um, hold space. He just like, that's weird for me. So that was a dynamic. That's he he was language. thinking I'd like to be able to have that type of conversation with the yep. employee holding space for me. Yep. And cool. it was a manager underneath him. I need You're my right. manager to hold space to actually hear me because he's always Got finishing you. my sentences and trying to, <laughs> and then that's leading to this and that. And so I said to him, okay, <laughs> Would it work if you said to him, righto, Gavin, I don't know if his name was Gavin, let's say Gavin, righto, Gav, I'm just going to share some information with you here right now. I just need you to listen to it. We're not even going to talk about it afterwards. There's nothing we need to talk about afterwards. I just need to, uh, just to share that with you right now. Okay. Yep. Sweet. So we, and he just shared it with him and he said, do you mind? And I said, then ask him to repeat back to you what he heard. Mm. And so that's a different kind of dynamic, but he was able to engage in that conversation then of instead of saying, can you hold space for me? It means you don't need to respond. And we're like, oh, that's a bit weird. That's a weird thing coming from a bloke. It was, I'm just going to share some information with you here. We don't even, I actually don't want to talk about it afterwards. I just need to get it just to make sure that I'm communicating with you what's in my mind clearly. Mm. Mm. And then asking him afterwards, what, can you just repeat back to me what you heard me say, just so I know I communicated it correctly. Mm. And so then Gavin repeated it back and lo and behold, this guy was like, actually, that's not what I said. Mm. So Gavin the opportunity to get clarity there or space, still sit, exactly see where they're being missed, misaligning. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So comprehension is huge in, in relationship dynamics. Yeah. So a lot of guys that might not be in their loving relationship, but it's in their work relationship, in their work mm. dynamics. But then in a loving relationship, like you said, and the way that I put it is, babe, I just need to to express a few things. I just need to say a few things here. Um, is it all right if we don't even talk about it after I say it, but we can come back to it later? Is that all right? Like we don't need to actually talk about it. Just need to like mm. say this to you now and um, yeah, and then we can talk about it later. So she's then got to hold space and listen with the intent to understand so they can loop back to it later, mm. but not actually respond in that moment. And I, I love, you know, the, the general theme, if I zoom back from this, is, is really, hey, you get to lead conversation and communication in, in whatever relationship 
that you're in. And one of the ways in which you can do that is set up how you actually converse. So you don't necessarily go head first into the conversation, which you don't quite know how to navigate, but you can set it up. Hey, this is the conversation I have. Can we do X, Y, Z? Can we park A, B, C? You know, like, so you set that up. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind when you say that as well is if that I'll often share with guys, if you feel very vulnerable, like, holy shit, this is terrifying. Then like pop the balloon, voice it. Hey, I'm feeling quite challenged by the conversation. But I just want to know, you know, and you, you actually start to voice that. Well, it will probably dissipate. And you might be able to create that say, can you hold space for me? Because you know what? Someone might say, no, I can't. You're like, okay, shit. Well, that's mm. good to know. Maybe we don't have the conversation now. Um, I love this. Mm-hmm. Robbo, thank you for sharing and taking us into some of those examples. I'm very aware of the time um, and that we're going to have to cut. I'm sure we could keep talking about this. And when you finally get back to Australia, I know we definitely will together. Robbo. You've mentioned obviously some of the stuff that you do and your programs. So can you tell us like where can people find you? That's the simple one. We could put links in, but more so like how can people engage with you if they want to? Yeah, I would love to hear from people. What I often say after a podcast or a, or a workshop or something is hopefully you have more questions than answers mm. with a discussion like this because there is always more questions and therefore more answers. So if you've got more mm. questions, please shoot them my way. Uh, brettrobbo.com is my website, brett, B-R-E-T-T, Robbo, R-O-B-B-O, brettrobbo.com or at brettrobbocoach on Instagram and Facebook, but I'm most um, active on on the Instagram. So if you're on Instagram and want to shoot me a message and, and have more questions around that, please connect there or just share what you've learned. If you're part of Mike's community, just jump on and say, man, like this is what I've learned from Mike or this is what I've learned from the community I've been in because one thing that I love the most, and this is why I love getting around other older people with wisdom, is when they share stories of how they learn something. Mm. of how not just what they learned but how they learned it Mm. and when they share it through a story especially for boys and men this is what i've learned through the rites of passage work is the sharing of stories actually has way more impact than the teaching Mm. so when people can share a story of this is how i learned x y and z this is what it meant to me this is what i was feeling or thinking before this is what i feel and think now this is what my relationship was like before this is what it's like now sharing these kind of stories i froth on that I love it. So don't jump on and just um, say, yeah, it was a cool chat. Jump on and tell me what you've learned through your time Mm. of uh, listening to Mike's whole podcast or being a part of his community because I learn a lot and I absorb a lot of that wisdom as well. I love it. Yeah. And, And the invitation there too is like to put it into action. Right. And give us a little story of, of how we actually implemented that into our lives. Cause that that's where the rubber hit the road. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mate, thank you again. Um, Super grateful for everyone that's listening right now. I started off with gratitude. I'll finish it with gratitude. And it's now, you know, it's because I'm addicted to gratitude as well, but honestly from, (laughs) from my heart and not just because I'm addicted and it makes me feel good, but super grateful for your time. Keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're you're making a massive impact and you know, you're a man on a mission and it's super, super inspiring. I love it. Well, mate, thank you. And I'm going to reciprocate that. Thank you for being here and, and getting up and, and uh, joining me. I'm, I'm so glad that we managed to work our times. I could jump into my wife's office and you could jump into the mobile office that you guys have. I mean, how fucking cool is that, right? That we get to do this. So, Robbo, thank you so much. I love everything that you bring to the world. You're such an infectious and 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 um, happy dude to be around. And I get that in every interaction that I have with you. Everyone, make sure you go and check out Robbo bug him with your questions I, I love that invitation 
And uh, Robbo, thank you for joining us on the podcast, you absolute legend. Thanks again, legend. Greatly appreciated. There you go, legends. I'm grateful that I got to share some time and value with Mike on the Everyday Legends podcast. If you vibe with Mike and want to hear more from him and other guests, make sure you check out his podcast, the Everyday Legends podcast, and also follow him on Instagram at MC. And as a reminder, if you are getting value from this podcast, I'd be extremely grateful if you could share it around and also take a minute to give it a rating and review. It truly helps the show and it helps me with my mission and purpose. Keep thriving and as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.